0: We are on Sunday nights in a uh, study of the book of Luke that we are calling Life with Luke. Uh, As a preacher, you learn a lot of things as you go along, and uh, you try to impart some of that knowledge to the people that you're teaching. And uh, I know many of you, uh, certainly many in our medical professionals and law enforcement, were very surprised to know Uh, that mothers encouraged uh, their newborn babies to be uh, on Oxycontin, which apparently is a... uh, Did I get that right? I mispronounced it, right, Kim? It's the correct name. (laughs) Oxycontin is a painkiller, okay? (laughs) So this morning I was showing you the MRI and all of that. I just uh, flipped two little tiny but important letters. uh, The correct pronunciation of it is oxytocin. And that is also called the cuddling hormone. So, um, uh, yes, one thing you will certainly learn from this preacher is um, that we all need grace. And uh, I hope you will extend to me yours, but certainly that was a a mispronunciation. We do not have mothers giving their young children Oxycontin. Maybe they are, I don't know, but uh, uh, the, the correct The thing that we would like would be oxytocin. Uh, Also, uh, you are thankful that I'm a preacher and not a doctor. That would be clearly (laughs) disastrous results. All right, we are, as we continue through the Gospel of Luke, going to be tonight in Luke chapter 12. And I want to ask you a question as you turn to Luke chapter 12, about verse 38. Three-word question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Being ready is a an important thing, and it's just a part of life. Is being ready for what's going to happen next? Are you ready for tomorrow morning? Are you ready for the job that you'll go to, or uh, the school that you go to? What's happening tomorrow? Are you ready for that? Are you ready for Christmas? Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly, I am uh, one of those people that uh, you don't do anything Christmas related, you don't sing songs, you don't play music, you don't pull out decorations until after Thanksgiving, okay? Yes, revival in the church, let's bring it home, okay? That's in the Bible, folks, um, the RTV, the revised Toby version, of course, uh, <laughs> but we know it's going to come, Right? And it comes the same time every year, and yet, for some strange reason, it sneaks up on us, especially if you have a bunch of gifts to buy. and You know, there are some people that are the, those uh, outliers that, that, you know, they've got all their Christmas shopping right now. It's done. Uh, it's probably wrapped, and it's in a closet somewhere. They are ready to go. Their decorations are already up. I mean, just skipping right on past uh, all, the, the good holidays and, and, and get right into Christmas. They, they've got Christmas music playing in the car. They are ready. If you're a parent, are you ready to send your children to college or trade school? You ready for that? It's coming faster at you than you know it, and and it's gonna be here soon as we sat with the lunch in Oklahoma Christian. I was like, goodness. In our case, you know, we're four years away from that. Happened pretty quick. And those four years will go by much faster. You ready for retirement? you ready to reach a point in your life where you're no longer dependent upon someone else to pay you an income? When you think about those milestones in life, and there's, I mean, I could pick a hundred different ones, but why are people not ready for anything in life? Whether it's Monday morning or an event happening 40, 50 years from now, why are they not ready? Well, one possibility is they don't know. They don't know that they're supposed to be ready. Twenty-year-olds uh, aren't often known. There, there are a few exceptions. I understand, but aren't known to just be about vigil- diligently say, saving for retirement. Why? Because because they don't realize you know, there's going to come a day when and they need to do it now, but they got other things to worry with. Second is they maybe they don't care. And some people just don't. You know, it's not a big priority to them, so they don't they don't prepare. They're not ready. They don't remember. They get distracted. Uh, maybe they grow impatient, or perhaps they give up. There's lots of risk, different reasons why we're not ready for whatever it is that we're supposed to be preparing for. Tonight, Jesus speaks to his apostles and to us about the universal problem of being ready. Luke chapter 12 Verses 35 through 48 is where we'll be. And we're going to go through this just one verse at a time. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Uh, dressed, the idea dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, a couple of things that we would not be familiar with. Of course, they wore, wore garments and, and overcoats. And one of the things that they uh, did as they prepared, I have to put them Bible down to oh. That feels good is they would their uh, robes that they wore when they were getting ready to go somewhere or travel or do a particular activity they had a, a manner of tucking in the robes so that they were prepared to do what they were about to do, otherwise they get their robes dirty and, and torn up, and they just weren 't prepared if they weren 't tucked in properly. Um, keep the lamps burning was this idea the the picture that you We just saw on the previous slide an oil lamp. Um, In a day where we go into a room and flip on a switch, we don't really have to be ready. But in their time, to be ready for the darkness, they had to get ready before the darkness came. They had to make sure they had plenty of oil and top the oil lamp off, make sure the wick had soaked it up properly, and it had to be trimmed so that it was usable in the moment that they needed it. It was kind of useless to try to get ready, get your oil lamp ready in the dark. Pretty hard, too. Following Jesus really comes down to this one word, be ready. Be ready to follow him, be ready to serve him, be ready to live for him, be ready to await his return. And they didn't know how ready they needed to be because they were anticipating or not anticipating his deeper return. Psalm chapter 27 verse 14 says. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And this is an idea that we are waiting in a sense of preparedness. That we're trusting in him. And that it's not about our timing. We're waiting on his timing. Followers of Jesus are called to always wait For him and to be waiting on him. And that affects very much how we live, how we act, how we treat one another, and how we worship. Luke chapter 12 verse 36, Jesus continues, And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Um, Luke focuses on this idea of servants uh, five other times throughout the gospel. This is the second time that we've heard this mention and this focus from Jesus. Remember, Jesus said a lot of things. The person who's editing and, and putting, compiling together this orderly account chooses to focus on some certain themes, and this idea of service is one of them. We, you and I, in Christ, are servants waiting on the master. Or we should be. That's what discipleship is about. We are waiting for the master's return. Christ is the master. And and we are called to be not just ready. But waiting for his return. Jesus put it like this in John 12.36. If any man would serve me. If anyone would serve me. He must follow me. And where I am. There will be my servant also. We are not only followers, but we are waiting servants as well. Um, We understand this. Maybe kind of explain the first century dynamic of it. You understand this in this century when you go to a restaurant and you sit down, and it's a restaurant where you have a waiter or waitress, and you expect them to serve and to serve you with in a reasonable amount of time. When you do that, part of the experience is that you leave them a tip. You, you, you know, fill out, uh, Tyler and I had a lunch the other day, we went to P.F. Chang's, and uh, I was explaining to him how the tip worked. You know, Write that in, and that's for the servant. And the servant, the waiter or waitress, as we call them in our, in our world, waited on us. Now we have an expectation of that they wait on us in a ready way. We don't like our, our glass to get empty, do we? We don't like the food to come out slow. We we like for them to be fairly prompt and attentive. Okay. Well in the same way Jesus wants us to take on that attitude with him. Prompt, attentive ready to serve, not ourselves, to serve him. When he calls us to do, to yield, to go, to obey, we are prompt and attentive and immediate in our service. Jesus points to this, going back to the first century, this picture that they would have understood well. When a master had servants, the servants, while the master was away, were always to be serving in a, Ready expectation, one commentator said. A ready expectation of the master's return at any moment. And the master may say, I'll be away for a week of time. But the servants were to serve in a way that if the master showed up unexpectedly two days early, they were ready. Do You understand? You get that idea a little, little bit better. That we are to be ready, waiting, faithful servants whenever the master returns. When the master returns. When he returns, we are to be found ready and waiting on him. Verse 37. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching them when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve and will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Now, this is very interesting because what Jesus says here is, oh, this is, he now switches positions. When he returns, the master becomes a servant himself. Consider, of course, we're thinking maybe now to the final great, beautiful act that Jesus did of, of taking a knee and a towel on his last night on earth and washing the feet of his disciples. The master who created those feet, washing those feet. And then remember, as he said in that act, and John describes it so well, he says, I go now. I'm leaving you. Where's the master going? Pay attention. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Master goes to prepare. And to return, it will be good when Jesus returns. Jesus continues, verse 38. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. You see, the question is not if the master will return. Uh, That that is not, that's a given. We wonder about when. Now, this is, I'm going to close my Bible because this is Toby's commentary. Now, I, I wonder the more I studied it. I mean, there are so many references where Jesus says like a thief in the night. And he says it right here. It, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. And every time I've envisioned or re- imagined the return of Jesus, I've always imagined it like it'll be during the day. I'll be you know, awake. I'll be uh, up and then maybe driving down the road and poof, just grand entrance, entrance through the clouds. Here comes Jesus. Here comes all the angels, you know, all the the, the, the trumpet and all of that. Maybe, it's, maybe it will be nothing like that at all. Maybe it will awake us from our slumber in more ways than one. I'm not sure which would be. I mean, obviously, one half of the planet has to be in daylight. Okay, I understand that. But um, I, Jesus repeatedly says this idea of a thief in the night. And I, I also know that the literalism, he's saying, be, live in a way that you are prepared for when it happens, we we wonder about when that's the wrong focus. Uh, several months ago, we went on a trip, Christy and I did, we had to go to the airport, and so Liz Austin offered to take us to the airport. We had, to, had an early flight to leave, and so she said, I'll be there, I don't remember, if it was four or five in the morning, I mean, it, it was this middle of the night, sort of not light yet, right, approaching dawn, and she came to... Pick us up. And now, in that case, she told us exactly when she'd be there, but I, I want you to think of this illustration. What if, for some reason, um, by the way, Liz is an Uber driver, so uh, if you've Ubered or taken a lift or something like that, you understand that you kind of get out your phone, you say, hey, I need a pickup here, and, and they are headed your way, and you can see it. But what, what if that didn't work? What if someone was going to give you a ride, and they, for some reason, you couldn't tell when they were going to show up? And Ignoring you're leaving for a timed flight and all that. If if the only thing you could do was just be ready for the moment, then they were, when they when they arrived, um, somebody did a screenshot of this. They took an Uber and <laughs> the person's name was Christ. I'm sure it was a, a person of a, of, a, of a different ethnicity, and it says <laughs> message from Christ. I have arrived. Uh, Christ is arriving soon in a Hyundai Elantra. Um, which I didn't know that's what Jesus' preferred method of showing up would be. <laughs> but in something we're familiar with, we're used to being... No, I mean, I can pull up on, on my phone at a moment's notice. Here's where I want to go. Just tell it where to go and it tells me it'll take 21 minutes. Here's when you need to leave. Traffic is light. Or if someone is headed my way, I know some of the Teens, their parents use something called the Life 360 app, um, and it's on your phone, and they can always tell where you are all the time, and, and if you're driving, how fast you're going. okay, Or where, if you are where you should say you are going to be. Um, in our case, we do not have an idea of when Jesus will return. We just have to have our bags packed and be ready to go. Spiritually speaking, we have to be ready for the moment he comes. The worst time to prepare for the master to return is when the master returns. Doesn't do any good at that point. Be ready to go. Verse 39. But know this. If the owner of the home had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. That's that's sort of the point. A thief doesn't want you to be ready. A a pickpocket analyzes the crowd and watches to see who's not paying attention. That's the mark. Someone who's going to uh, rob your house is is looking to make sure to see when you're home or when you're not or when you would very likely not be paying attention or anticipating. You can't prepare for precisely... When a thief would break in. But you should prepare for if it happens. Have you taken any precautions? What would happen if somebody tried to break into your house? How, are you prepared for that? Might not happen at all. God forbid that it does. But if it does, are you ready? If someone's going to break into your home or break into your vehicle. Or, or they're preparing for you to not be ready. Think about the movie Home Alone. Okay? The whole premise of this movie was about the idea that Kevin McAllister was prepared for when the thieves would arrive. That's what makes it funny, right? Seven, eight-year-old kid, he's ready, at least in the original one. And he got older. Um, but he was ready. And that's what made it funny, because we were watching him get ready for when the thieves would break in. It would be a terrible movie any other way, right? Like, like Kevin's just asleep, and the thieves break in, and they're robbed, and it's very sad. You know, it's... But that's kind of how it. That's more how we expect it to work, because most thieves break in when we are not prepared for them to arrive. So be ready. If it comes like a thief in the night, and we cannot plan when the thief is going to come, maybe we ought to plan so that we're ready when it does. When he does come. Next verse, verse forty. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Um, I'm going outside of Luke, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. I, I love that if we remember that Peter's here, right, listening to Jesus, talking about being ready. And then years later, he is writing these words, Peter, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, he says this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be dissolved and burned up. And the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are to happen in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? You ought to live lives of holiness and godliness Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. When do you suppose Jesus will return? I, I told you my vision of it is always just during the day, kind of as we're going along. But do you think it will happen in your lifetime? Do you think it will be a hundred years from, year, from now or ten thousand years from now? We just don't know. And that's the point. I can tell you this as far as Jesus teaches and as far as Peter taught us it will come at a moment when we least expect. So be ready. Because when he shows up it'll be time to go. I've always liked the saying that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. So so obviously now we're going back to the book of Luke. Um, As as was prone to happen, whenever Jesus got on a roll, uh, Jesus would raise his hand or Jesus and Peter would raise his hand because he had a question. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants? to give them their food allowance at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. In other words, Peter says, "Uh, Lord, who's this a supply to? Is this going to be on the test? And I think Jesus, this is probably in the message translation, he sort of closes his eyes for a moment, takes a big deep breath, and he says, I, the master, am speaking to all of you. But you all would be the faithful and wise managers. Illustration. Think about it. Um, if you're a parent and you have that time of life where you, your kids are old enough, where they sort of self-sufficient, and you think they're fairly good without, you know, burning the place down that you can be gone for a little bit and and let them handle things okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That first time you do that, there's some very specific instructions, right? You know, don't touch a stove. You know, this person's in charge. Here's the phone if you you need to call us. You know, if something happens, call 911. All all these instructions, right? And the kids are sitting there like, (laughs) a parent free moment a universe, and particularly the oldest children, as a, as a professed oldest child, um, there's that moment where we realize that all authority will be given to us. Who are you talking to? <laughs> Who are you talking to? You're talking to all of us? you talking to just me? Does this apply to everybody here? And the parents say, listen, I just need all of you to hear me. Because what happens when the parents leave is that very likely the children in that moment will forget the will of the father and mother. And they they forget what their expectations are. Or even that the parents are going to return. It will be good, it will be good children, for the children whose parents return and find them doing what the father and mother ask, won't it? This is what Jesus is saying. Listen, yes, certainly, Peter, it applies to you. Certainly, it applies to everyone. Clearly, I'm not telling you when I'm coming back. I don't even know that. The Father knows that. But it'll be good if you're ready for when I return. And Jesus, or Peter, conveys the same thing. Then Jesus warns them, verse 45. But if that servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming, he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. You see, the danger for for servants who are waiting is twofold. One, they forget who it is that's in charge. I, I know some of you miss that. It's very easy for servants who are waiting to fall into one of two traps. They forget who it is that's in charge. Sometimes servants who are waiting have been waiting for generations, and the only person I mean, it, it's the, the master has not returned, and it's just like we talked about this morning, the parents and the grandparents and, and people of faith sharing the story. the master's returning, the master's returning, the master's returning. And after a long while, they begin to go, "You know, it's been 2,000 years." And they forget. That the promise is still good just as on the day that it was made. We forget who's in charge. And we forget that it's not us. And woe to us when we fall into that trap. And even worse is that we forget. And maybe this would be the those who have fallen away from Christ. Or those who are in the world. They forget or they don't even know that he is returning. I've always thought about that. If Jesus does return and it's during the day and you're in the midst of people who know you. What will your reaction be? Toward those, your family, your friends, neighbors, whoever you're with at the moment when Jesus returns. Oh, there he is. Well, I knew it. I knew he'd be back. I knew he was coming. Now, you're surrounded by whoever it is. And they're not believers or followers of Jesus. What will their reaction be toward you? What do you mean you knew? Why didn't you tell me? If you knew, why didn't you say something? And you really flesh that out. The day of his return will be wonderful and terrifying at the same time. Because we'll in that moment, even if we are ready, we'll have deep regret, deep sorrow for those that we did not tell, for those whom we did not prepare. If you think about your concentric circles of relationships, if you have told those people of Jesus and his return, then you have done all you can They have decided not to believe it or not to get ready. That's on them. But if you didn't tell them, if you didn't warn them, what's that day going to be like? Luke chapter 17, just skipping ahead a few chapters, verse 10. Jesus says, so you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, and that's, by the way, not just all the commands and believing and being baptized and forgiving your enemies and praying for them and so forth. It includes the command of Jesus to go forth into all the world and remind the people of who he is and that he's returning. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Peter would later put it like this. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought. To you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy. So you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Jesus continues his illustration, verse 46. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, at an hour when he is not aware of and He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Judgment day will be a surprise. And it will be a surprise to both the unfaithful and forgetful servants. They'd be a day of, of fear and terror. A servant who does not do the will of the master will be treated exactly like a servant or a, a, a non-servant. Now think about that for just a minute. Jesus says that when he returns, the Master when he returns is going to start dealing out punishments he's going to be punishments and rewards, and he's going to treat the servants of his who were unfaithful in just the same way as people who never followed Jesus at all and that's that that should be just. A moment where it brings you to full self-examination, because Jesus is saying, "Listen, <laughs> I think elsewhere He says something like this: Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Do not do what I say." It's important for us to not get comfortable with saying, "Well, I'm in Christ, I'm I'm doing my thing," and I'm and no, we still have a responsibility to be faithful. To the master and to be prepared for his return. It's not about whether you call him master. But about whether you obey him as the master. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot, right? Packed into verse 46. Verse 47, 48. The servant who knows the master's will... And does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does those things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From, for, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. When the master returns, there will be basically two types of people. Those who knew but forgot and then those who never knew. And and both will be punished, although Jesus seems to indicate here many blows, few blows. You know, there seems to be a different level of punishment. How that's going to work, I think it doesn't matter. It's going to be bad. Okay? So may we be found as servants who know the master's will and who do the master's will. Knowing God's will brings an extra measure of responsibility. A Sunday night crowd gets this laid on them pretty heavy. Because the Sunday night crowd has heard a lot of sermons. That's not what Jesus is concerned about. He would rather you have heard one sermon and did it well than heard a thousand sermons and, and just kind of said, well, I know that, but I really, I really don't want to do it. May we be found faithful in how we do, not just in saying, well, I've heard a lot of Jesus. It comes down to this, whether or not, <clears throat> not whether or not you know what he said, but whether you do what he says so when it comes down to it the title of the sermon is how jesus hopes to find you and it's just with one word he hopes to find you ready he doesn't want you to be unready but he knows that there will be servants who are not ready you've probably heard the old preacher's story about the the guy who wrote in his bible and liked to write things in his bible and all throughout the scriptures. In the Old Testament and in the New, he would write just two simple letters, P, K, which stood for two words, promised, kept. And everything from the story of Abraham, the story of Noah, to the story of Daniel, all the way through the Psalms, and the, the prophets, and the New Testament, again and again again, every page or two, you would find P, K, promised, There is only one promise that is still unkept. Not unfulfilled, but it's just not yet. And that is the promise of Jesus' return. So essentially, if you're a stats person, we have a 99.99999% success rate. I'm going to bank my eternity on the fact that that promise, that last and final and greatest promise will be fulfilled as well. And we look forward to that day. But until that day, may we live in a ready way. And may we live in a way that's not just making sure we're ready, but making sure all of those who are near us are ready as well. I heard the story of a child who is learning about... Noah and the ark. And this particular teacher was teaching in a way, was, was kind of sharing that this was serious. The waters came up, people died and drowned. And the young child, with, with pure naivety, just was taking this all in. And the thought that other children, his own age, had died in the flood asked this question why wouldn't their parents make sure they got on the ark teacher never thought of it that that way before i guess was because not because noah didn't tell them because they didn't believe it my question for you is do you believe it? Do you believe in your heart of hearts that there is a day coming and the master will return and uh, the world will not be destroyed by water that time. It will be destroyed by fire. Do you believe that day is coming? Are you ready for it? Are you prepared for it? Do those around you know that they need to be prepared as well? And we take that seriously and we take it to heart and we find ourselves ready for whenever it is that Jesus returns. Tonight, if you're not ready, there's no better time to get ready than tonight. Waste no more time. Wait not one more minute to get on the ark, the holy vessel of salvation given to us from the Father to save us through the water. The ark, of course, being his son, Jesus And the way into the ark is through believing and being baptized into his name. If you're not in the ark, if you're not prepared for destruction, then now's the time. And if you've been prepared but you're struggling in some sort of way and we can pray with you or for you and encourage you or help you or keep you pressing on toward the goal, keep you living in a ready way, Glad to pray with you and for you. Our shepherds would do the same. If you have a, a spiritual need tonight, won't you come? Meet me down front as together we stand and we sing.